I'm not a werewolf, but I am your host, Scott O'Dell, joined by host Jeff Garst. Hey, Scott, not playing werewolf. And host Cordy Jorgensen. Hey, Scott, you're the only one playing werewolf. As I tried to steal you your did. thunder. You did. I am actually starting a game of werewolf legacy in the next couple weeks here. Did am you I pick playing? it up? Yeah, I picked it up, and I'm going to be playing it hopefully with my homeroom. I'm hoping enough of them are oh. willing to spend 30 minutes playing werewolf every day. Uh, I'm sure they'll hate that. Um, They've played but before. school is not for fun, so... <laughs> Deal with it, kids. Uh, do you get to eat any of the cards? Not that I've seen yet. I think that thematically, if the werewolves don't eat the cards of the villagers they permanently remove from the game, then they have missed. <laughs> they have 100% then missed boo, it. boo, Ralph yeah. Davio and Ted Allspark. Eat the card. Failed. They need to get, yeah. Cards of I'm, I'm, I'm all about toxic, that. Non-toxic cards. I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> non-toxic ink. Lead-free <laughs> ink, please. <laughs> Gonna be eating a lot of villagers. Well, so, you guys been playing some board games? Yeah. Oh my god, so many board games. It feels like we just released an episode yesterday, but here we are, three weeks after our last recording. I have so many games. Yes, a lot of games. Uh, Jeff, what are you drinking? A diet coke. Yeah, neither of us. I'm are trying drinking. to cut back. <laughs> Cody and I are not drinking anything. Yeah, you're trying to cut back. I'm trying on to diet cut coke. back. How's that going for you? You know, not terribly. Um, I started with like a super achievable number and then i'm just going to cut back one diet coke a day every two weeks so i've started with four a day which for me is cutting back gotcha and then in on monday i start doing three a day and then two weeks after that i'll start doing two a day and my goal is to stick at one a day for a while and see how that goes and i've been exercising i've not been looking at screens after you get to one a day you can just go with smaller and smaller diet cokes that's true and just do a shot of diet coke by the end eventually yeah you've just got like an eyedropper just <laughs> um, and I've been exercising. I'm not looking at screens after nine a- nine p.m., so I'm sleeping better. Nice. Um, I'm reading every day. It's been it a, it's must be the beginning of a school year. It's the beginning of a school year. I've got all these amazing goals that'll last until about October first. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exciting. And so you're drinking a diet coke. Scott and I are both parched because at no point did we consider getting a beverage. No, it, we're, it's really late, and I think we're all. Uh, I had coffee tired. on my way over. Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had many coffees today. Many coffees. Many coffees. Several, in fact. You should cut back one every couple of weeks. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. Coffee's good for you, so. Should we do what have you been <laughs> playing? Mouth to God's ears. Or uh, do we want to do listener question? Let's or? start with our listener question. Well, before any of that, we need to do news. Time for some news. Scott, what's happening uh, Monday after Labor, or Labor Day? What's happening on Labor Day? No, Sunday. The Sunday of Labor Day weekend. So September 2nd, the day after Scott Frosch returns and leads Nebraska to victory over Akron, <laughs> Spielbound is turning four. It's actually really interesting because the overlap of people who care about Spielbound turning four and the people who care about Scott Frost is surprisingly small. No. Yeah, it's like two people, and you're yeah. sitting in a room with them. <laughs> no, uh, I can name at least one more. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. Anyway, anyway on September second, on September second, Spielbound turns four, and to celebrate, we're having a uh, no a free admission day. So on Sunday, there will be no requirement for day passes on September second, and we will have demos all day. So come join us. Bring your friends. Spielbound is going to be in kindergarten next year. How do you feel well, about that? Preschool, preschool, preschool Jeff. 
No, he's in when he turns five next yeah. year. Oh yeah, six. No, no, you go to kindergarten, kindergarten at five. five. Oh my God, how old is your daughter? <laughs> Not five. Okay, I'm glad we had this you conversation. Start preschool. <laughs> um, yeah, so Spielbaum's almost in kindergarten. How yeah. do you feel about that, owner and owner? Pretty good. Yeah. Good enough. You're kind of like a step owner. The, yeah, you I'm came a in a little owner. late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that weird, creepy guy that the that the parents hang out You're with. You're just. Uncle Jeff. <laughs> so if you see me, tell me what game you want me to demo because I'm going to demo a game that day. Uh, I want you, you won't be here. I won't. I'll be on vacation. <laughs> uh, I want you to demo diplomacy. All right. No, I'm thinking Manches of Madness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I'm risk, about that. Risk. Spielman is adding risk. Spielman is adding Manches of Madness <laughs> to its library as we speak. Second edition. Yes. Wonderful. That's exciting. Yeah. Good news. That's a fun game. I, I don't disagree. It's much better than first edition. You know it's what? so much uh, better than first edition. You know edition. what theme heavy game is not fun? What? Seventh Continent. Is that what it's called? We're going to be talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Let's go through our listener yeah. question is before any, we start yelling at each other. Is anything else that's happening on the second that we need to highlight? Are there? Is there? No. Demos. The, the, oh, okay. the highlight is you get in for free. The Spielbound nonprofit, Spielbound.org, is where you can find out more about that and donate, um, is, is doing a no admission day. Cool. Um, so that people don't have to pay the five dollar day pass to get in. Sweet, That's okay, exciting. Okay, Listener and there'll question. be raffles so, and stuff. So we have a winner. We had a contest, right? That, as of, of this recording, we have twelve people in our guild, which I think puts us like in the top fifty percent of podcast guilds. <laughs> I think I'm like, so. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. The number of podcast guilds that just have the creator <laughs> or like three people. So like, you're saying I should join mine? You should join. Yeah, we've <laughs> there's got some also momentum. There's also a lot of podcast guilds of podcasts that had like two episodes and then mm-hmm. quit because yeah. there was some that I'm like, oh my god, that's a brilliant podcast. And then you look in the message boards and you see someone say like, is this podcast still going on? And it's no. So I think us starting at our two year mark was really good because now right. we're not in that like graveyard of podcast board game geek guilds. Mm. Yeah, I've so, had a lot of people tell me that there's a big difference between our commitment to recording and putting out episodes versus our commitment to, you know, marketing and advertising for the show. And it's like, I can't believe you guys have done over 50 episodes. Like that shows a lot of commitment, but. And haven't maybe marketed <laughs> yeah. barely at all. <laughs> so we had only two people uh, respond to our questions. So Not true. You Sorry, I had three, but one of them was Jeff, disqualified Jeff because he's a host. people too. Because he's a host. So, um. So the two that responded had a 50-50 shot at winning. Yeah, and, and, I, and we're going to keep this going. So next in two, you know, in, in two next weeks, time we record, yeah, um, we'll we'll answer another one. So if nobody else puts a question up, other users going to get the game too. Right, and this I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Cody. This is actually a really tough choice. The yes. two people who responded both asked really really good questions. Yes, I agree. Um, but the one that interested me the most, and that I just sort of unilaterally picked before we started recording. Uh, how many Kickstarters has each host back? What user? What's the oh, name sorry. User? This is Jake, also known as Moses88. Congratulations, Jake. Uh, so he wants to know, how many Kickstarters has each host backed? Which one do you regret the most? Which project do you wish you had backed but didn't? And I'd like to extend this into just a conversation about Kickstarter in board gaming in general. Mm-hmm. So we'll start yes. with Scott, who I think I already know the answer. What do you think my answer is? I think it's zero, maybe one or two. Um, I've backed two. That's not bad. I've backed Jammer Up. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> and I backed Clans of Caledonia. Did you not back the new Eclipse? I did not. Okay. I'm surprised uh, by that. I, 
I own it all. Like, oh, is it just the same thing? It's a little bit nicer components, but the same basic content. Gotcha. But it's all the expansions. It's a really good value for a hundred bucks. You get what I paid, you know, twice that. Um, I kind of, yeah, I regret backing Jammer up. Um, and I don't wish I'd backed any. Is that one of the available free games to win for, for <laughs> getting a question asked? <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's not it's actually not a bad game. It's just it's just very abstract. Uh it's about rollerblading and jammer is one of the positions that like defender in hockey that protects the other players. Huh. Or roller derby. Roller, roller derby roller, roller is derby. actually a really interesting sport. Like yeah. to listen to someone describe how it works, like it all makes sense. Right. It's really yeah. interesting. It actually translates pretty well to a board game. Yeah. I um, bet. It's just it's abstract. Just not that board game. <laughs> well, it's there's no like cards to like you know, add any flavor to it. It's just like very abstract. And in real life, like some player can try harder, they can get mad or they can get dirty or whatever. And this is just like very abstract. I would say the appeal of roller derby is not in the tactics of the (laughs) role. It's like saying like, yeah, yeah, it's all about personalities. It's very professional wrestling in that way. Like, well, even if they had added like a deck of cards that added like some variability and some theme and some color to it, actually, I think would have been a better board game. Um, I don't, you, you regret that. Sure. I mean, that the question was, which one do you regret? I guess I have two. That's well, the, no. Which one do you? Are there any that you regret not backing? Um, well, that's a question too. And there's no. There's not really any I regret not backing. Okay. Nice. I mean, I. Yep. Kickstarter is not my thing. Um, I have backed mm, three projects. Whoa, that's low number. Yeah, I have. I. It's like. I know that it's a problem without having to suffer it being a problem. Mm -hmm. Like I just know to stay away from Kickstarter in general. Like it's a bad Kickstarter is bad for me. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like a floodgate. It's too good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the Kickstarters that I have backed, um, I backed, uh, bees, the Marcus Ross game. I backed that, but for Spielbound. I backed it for my own personal library. Uh, I also backed um, Spielbound, the Spielbound Kickstarter. Well, that's not that a board game. That doesn't count as a board game. Well, it's the only it's the only time. That's the reason I had an account to back bees. <laughs> and then uh, I have backed and am awaiting Homesteaders, the anniversary edition. Oh. Um, and the the my big thing on on that the, the homesteaders the re, the way i found it was on the front page on the default front page of board game geek um on the top left module is uh contests and a lot of kickstarters run giveaways mm-hmm. where they have quizzes and to get the answers to the quizzes you have to look through the kickstarter page like you have to watch the video it'll be like you for every correct question you answer on the quiz you get two entries into the contest plus you just get one for trying right. so you can get up to like 11 entries into the contest but you have to watch the kickstarter video and homesteaders got me that way because then i <laughs> then i went down you and fell into then i went the down exact I, went, trap I went down into spielbound's basement and grabbed homesteaders and played it <laughs> and i was like yeah i want that um so uh, but this is the deluxe version so I currently today is the last day for another one, Thunderstone Quest. Mm-hmm. I've um, heard really good things, so but I, I've never. Played I have it, entered. So. I got all the questions right. I won't back it because it's super expensive and it's a deck builder. Right. Um. But, uh, that looks really good. It really does look good. Um. 
but as far as Kickstarters, I regret the one that I wish I had backed, though I don't think I even knew it existed at the time, is Yokohama because I'm super jealous of Caleb's deluxe version. Speaking of Yokohama, currently twenty nine ninety nine at Spielbound. If you remember, no poop. That's like a. Actually, like, I, I think that's that. like actually yeah. a really good deal. <laughs> good it's not the deluxe edition, but it's, it's a good, a good deal. Yeah. Um, my response is Yokohama's base pieces are actually more endearing than the nice ones. Hmm. Interesting. Do you wish you would have backed Container? No. I wish I owned Container, but I don't necessarily. Um, I don't want to buy Container. I did think of another one. I did back Floyd Pretz's Stowaway 52 when it was on Kickstarter. Ah. Nice. And now that it's published by, you know, a big publisher, it's got a better production on it. Mm-hmm. Bigger, nicer did cards. he publish it himself or did he yeah do self-publishing and it was in it was in a like a deck of cards right because right. it was stowaway 52 so like it was mm-hmm. um well I've, you jeff i'm two three i'm probably the most sweet on kickstarter just in general and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second uh i'm at half a dozen um oh that's not very many which is not very many no uh i had a rule for a while that i would only back things that i'd already played like second editions and reprints um, so it, using that, I backed Bees, which wasn't a second edition, but I played the prototype, uh, Kingdom Death Monster, and Gloomhaven, and Seventh Continent. I, mm. I, got, I wasn't technically a Kickstarter. I got in the late pledge after Caleb had already received his early pledge. Um, and then I also, the two that I have backed recently that I haven't played but just kind of caught my eye, there's one called So Long Dark World, which is a very story-heavy I think I think it's meant to be played solo. I thought I think it, you can technically play it with two players, um, and then the gerrymandering game that I've talked about previously. Oh yeah, yeah. So I tend my my sort of uh, my sort of bend towards Kickstarters. I tend to back the bigger projects that I think are going to be super expensive once they hit the market, mm-hmm. or super uh, exclusive, like Seventh Continent. Nice. Um, so that that's my bend. If there's one, the one that I regret the most, I mean, I would have to be either gerrymandering or so long dark world. Cause I haven't played them yet. Whereas the other four I have played and I like all four of those games. And obviously I'm, I'm good friends with Marcus. So I'm happy I backed his, um, but the, the other two I haven't played yet. So I'm guessing it's going to be one of them, but I don't know yet. Mm. Um, is there anyone I regret not kickstarting? I mean, not really. There's a couple games that Warren has pulled out of his bag that I'm like, that's a cool game. But I'm not necessarily upset that I didn't kickstart it because I'm friends with Warren. What about Dino Island? Twice. Not upset about that. <laughs> um, the slab bracelet. So, yeah. What do you guys think about, like, is Kickstarter a good thing for the hobby? Is it, I mean, there's a lot of people who think Kickstarter is, like, the worst thing for the hobby. What do you guys think? I, I it, it's... I think the problem that people have with it is that Kickstarter on its front looks like a thing for individuals and small companies to have to be able to stand up to the bigger companies. Right. But then we see the bigger companies in the board game industry uh, fully committed to it and getting all kinds of traction uh, and doing really well with it. And I feel like at first glance, it looks like the big companies in the board game industry that don't have any business on Kickstarter based on its sort of mission right. are ruining it for the small companies. And my counter to that and how I actually feel about it is, is that what we consider to be big companies in the board game world are actually 
exactly the type of companies Kickstarter are trying to help. There, right. There's no such thing as a big board game company it, unless that there's like two. Hasbro, Mattel. Yeah. I think Asmodee. Asmodee, maybe. But even then, when you look at them compared to Hasbro or Mattel, it's not, it's so, it's, it's just so different. They are a small company fighting a mass market world. And so Kickstarter, in my opinion, is a great thing for board gaming. Like it's, it allows the echo chamber to, to sort of one check the producers because there's a ton of like online visibility that comes with it like backers can actually like witness poor business practices and call people out on it right. whereas if it wasn't like which has happened a i think times. it shines a light where otherwise it wouldn't be shown right but i anyway. mean it I, I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, you made a lot of faces. You don't, like, just, you don't like what I said. What do you think, Scott? I mean, so if you are one of those bigger companies that's going on Kickstarter, you're established and presumably you have the checks and balances in place as a publisher to not put out unbalanced crap, right? And so it stinks that they are just going to let Kickstarter and you know Amazon as a portal take a certain percentage off the top from them. Like it stinks that that is where we are because board games do really well on Kickstarter and it feels like maybe those publishers should have some other avenue. Um, the other type of people who use Kickstarter and what we see a lot and what we've all run into is we've played a game that was self-published or was published by a micro company or a really, really small company and it had no business being put out to the public because it just was not done. But and they were really good at Kickstarter. Some of them are and some of them aren't. Hmm. Um, and I mean, the, you know, the one exception to that rule that maybe comes to mind is Stonemaier Games. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's an abs- absolutely an exception. Like Jamie has done, you know, and I said to Caleb, like, I don't always really love his games in terms of game design, but as a business and what he's done with Kickstarter is really impressive because he usually puts out mostly finished products. And But even his, his first game was Viticulture, and that went through revision after revision after revision after revision until it's mm-hmm. it's now at its current state, which is you know a pretty good game. But I you know I've just played so many Kickstarter games that are not complete, like they just have not been properly vetted and they haven't been tested. And I, I'm going to take the middle ground on this one. I think there's good and bad. I think Scott's absolutely right with putting out maybe poor game design on Kickstarter and rushing to production in order to meet deadlines, as opposed to letting it go through more play testing. Um, the, I think there is sometimes a lack of visibility. I think it probably depends on the company and the publisher as to how much of the rules and how much of that sort of thing is out in the public before right. it gets delivered. But there are some really great things. It allows small companies to compete with these larger companies. And I think even better than that, it, it has allowed a level of production design, in the, especially the games that I like to play, which are like lots of miniatures and... like. It has allowed a level of production design in those games that would not be possible without right. Kickstarter because that money the, up front yeah. is so important. And we're the three of us, I mean, we're pretty assuming consumers. And what I mean by that is like we're not going to buy just like some random stuff because we watched a, a video on Kickstarter. Right. Well, I mean, the three of us p- probably play. We're probably in right. terms of the number of unique games we play in the top 5% of, of board right. gamers. Yeah, I would say, yeah. And we're, we're also on the other end of for how many games we play, we don't buy a lot of games. Yeah. Um, and we're lucky because we have Spielbound and we're lucky because we're around people who buy Kickstarters and stuff. But right. um, there are 
The other thing I don't like about Kickstarter, and I will acknowledge my bias that Spielbound sells board games, is it does this weird thing with brick and mortars where it competes and then doesn't compete, and then it's a funny feeling when a Kickstarter comes out before the retail copy comes out. Mm-hmm. But then the opposite happens just as much where you back a Kickstarter and then the retail version comes out before the Kickstarter version does. Like the publishers get theirs or the distributors get theirs and then we get it in brick and mortar before people on their Kickstarters. And so then they feel like they got screwed and Kickstarter ultimately is doing this. Like I've always struggled in the video game industry. I hate special editions and I hate pre-order crap and I hate pre-order stuff. Those are both just psychology tricks to get you to buy something that you maybe otherwise wouldn't, or maybe pay more for something that you maybe wouldn't have alternately. And that's kind of what Kickstarter is. It's just like a, you got to get in. Like there's only 20 days left. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's only two hours. Well, it's left. absolutely what it is. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's I, I, I think because I agree with a lot of what you're saying and I don't know that it necessarily convinces me that Kickstarter is all bad. I think that, and Scott, I would hope that you can at least agree with this at least a little bit. It really depends on the company and how they conduct themselves on Kickstarter. Like you can take that unethical approach and use Kickstarter as a way to get the money up front in order to put out an unfinished product. But I think you're absolutely right, Cody, that there are some companies that just do it really well and use it in order to create a better product Mm -hmm. in order to give more value to the consumer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's companies will behave in the way that is best for the company and so Kickstarter breeds both both sides yeah. of that, both good and bad, because there are some comp- like there are some individuals running companies that are only looking short term, and that's when you get the bad game with poorly managed funds. Mm-hmm. But the companies who see Kickstarter for the sustainable resource that it potentially is, they know that the value is in building their reputation on Kickstarter. Like you look at Stonemeyer, like or right. yeah, like Jamie Stegmeyer puts a game on Kickstarter, and it is it is getting backed. Well, that's like, the value of branding, right? Yeah. Like every right. time Cool Mini or Not puts something on Kickstarter, it's going to get funded. And they almost broke that, or yeah, it was mm-hmm. Cool Mini or Not. They almost broke that reputation with a game recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, it was a Cthulhu game. I can't remember, but they got some really bad press for it. And and that's, uh, that's what I'm saying when I say there's accountability because when, when you're, when you're functioning in the online space like that in such an interactive way, like you, and the board game community I think is pretty savvy when it comes to like like the pitchforks like the board game community isn't isn't as prone to just wild insane like mob mentality right but they can if it's warranted like you can see companies just get absolutely swallowed up if they've been behaving badly but but unlike some online uh, Communities. communities I feel like the board game community can pump the brakes when they maybe started to get excited about something and then realized, oh, no, no, that's not a big... Okay, we got our game. Never mind. Well, I think the fact that we're 23 minutes in proves that we chose a very good question. I think that was... Thank you, Moses88. Yeah, so... Okay, so Jake... I think... Moses88 So send me, Coffee Cody, a geek mail, um, and I will reply back to you with... uh, uh, so I'll put the list of games. By the time you hear this, they'll be on uh, on our guild page. Uh, so email me, uh, geek mail me what game you'd like and where you'd like it sent. If you want to pick it up at Spielbound, we will include a free day pass with that guy. So, um, But if you need it shipped, I can also just ship that game to you. Just let me know where uh, in geek mail. So, yeah. Do we want to address Caleb's email? <gasps> 
I don't. I didn't at a later read it, date. So oh. dun, dun, dun. I didn't read it. Okay. Do you want to? I mean, I don't have my phone on me. It was there were some hot takes in Caleb's email. There was. Uh, I think oh, we should. Man. Oh, I think I'm we reading should it now. Oh boy, he said he loved well, us. Well, now we've got. Now we've All got right, it. Read it Jeff. We got it now. Okay. Read the pertinent parts. <clears throat> this is my. This yeah, is my don't key. read the whole thing. Hey guys, love the ep- latest episodes and the format changes. That's an important part. The end. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> um, okay, Scott. No mention of Marco <laughs> yeah. Polo. Part of the don't mention unless you have something positive to say rule. Oh man. Also, I've yes. got some. I've got True. some. I've got some stinkers on my what I've been playing list for the record. Marco Polo's not great. Also, for the pokes that I it's like good. all games. So in the, give some content. in the last episode, we made fun of Caleb, and we probably do this quite often, that he likes time. all games. Yeah. Um, he says... It's tongue-in-cheek, but it's also based in truth. <laughs> he says, I don't get to play games nearly as often as I'd prefer, and I tend to play highly praised games. But the most important aspect, I am purposefully trying to enjoy the games I play and not thinking about what I'm going to say about it on a podcast. Which I think is him throwing some shade. (laughs) Or who I would recommend this game to. This leads to a lot more favorable games in play, and I still only and still only a few that I want to play over and over again. I think context is key. And then he puts this weird emoji, and I'm not sure what the emotion is, but um, yeah. It's a carrot and then two two underscores and then another carrot. It's a wink, maybe. That's not a wink. All right. And then he says, recall the first Spielcast episode I was a guest on and asked you if you found your taste and enjoyment in games was changing. You took a new eye on providing critical reviews, and the mood you're in while you play seems to color this. I will mm-hmm. absolutely agree that with yeah. that for me. The mood I'm in absolutely colors the game. Mm-hmm. Jeff wears his moods on in like sleep. an atmosphere that just permeates the room he's in. Yeah, yeah. Which I used <laughs> to think that I was like this emotionless guy, and then I realized that my mood it's dictates it, how it, I feel it, about everything. It gets to the room before you do. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he says, oh, oh, I didn't even read this postscript. Oh, yeah. This is the, you buried the lead. Here it is. <laughs> okay. It's you actually got, the you second got, postscript. You got too excited. Right. It was not that good. He says, my favorite game of all time has changed from oh, Agricola. That's the post postscript. From Agricola to Terraforming Mars. Possibly the guess, best game ever made. Is it? Is it the best game ever made? What, Agricola or Terraforming Mars? Either. Either is acceptable. Terraforming Mars is. Certainly. Not. I'll allow you there. Um, okay. Are yeah. you ready to talk about That's what we've exciting. been playing? Yes. There are so many good games here, but I want to get to like, I want to dive right to the meaty one because I know we disagree. So, Scott, how did you feel about Seventh Continent? Oh, no. I thought it was pretty bad. Scott thought it was pretty bad. I am so unsurprised by that response and yet so baffled at the same time. <laughs> I, I played it again immediately because... So Seventh Continent is a theme-heavy, cooperative, every other game you have where you like move and have action Hence points. Hence my lack of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> adventure builder. Yeah. It's like an adventuring yeah. game. Yeah. Jeff, how many times have you, how many scenarios have you finished in this game? There's zero. four, right? There's four scenarios. I've played two. I've finished zero. Yeah. I haven't finished any yet, but um, we're gonna. So the second, so... Yeah, it's just like every other theme game. We don't even need to describe the mechanics. You move oh and you take my actions. God. Just like every, yeah. I feel not, like you're making me say this. We're not. I mean, you said Jeff, you didn't like it. What's the elevator pitch for Seventh Continent? Or yeah. Cody, whoever wants to. Jeff. You go, Jeff. Okay, the elevator pitch for Seventh Continent is you're exi- you exist on this world. You wake up one day and you are on the Seventh Continent, and everything feels a little familiar, but you're not quite sure where you are. Um, you have been cursed. And you have to get that curse off of you. 
Um, but at the beginning of the game, you don't really know how to do that. You get Ding, a clue. elevator rides over. No. You get a clue <laughs> that indicates uh, maybe some information about <laughs> it, but sorry. that's really it. So Jack you're just physically blocked you from exiting the elevator. <laughs> you're discovering information about how to solve the game, how to solve mm -hmm. the puzzle as you're solving the puzzle. And what's, yeah. that's what's the gameplay? The elevator, uh, sorry, the gameplay exists in a deck of action cards. When you take an action, such as move, uh, you have to take a number of cards off the top of the deck and get a certain number of successes. If you do that, you win the challenge. If not, you don't. Um, and so the decision making in the game lies in how many cards do I use to take this action? Right. So that part's cool. Yeah. I can pull a bunch of cards and guarantee a success, uh -huh. but that action deck is also your energy pile. And once it's once it's depleted, then you're on borrowed time. And when a certain card flips over, your second time through, it's you're just done. Right, you have died. But those cards also include special abilities and items. And every time you flip cards over, you can take one of them into your hand. Mm -hmm. But then you're pulling them out of the discard to be used later, thus making it more likely that you're going to get it. And the way you actually beat a scenario is by remembering what happened the and previous four times you played it and lifting and, the curse and playing better like so you have to play yes. you have to play a scenario multiple times in order to beat it um and you have to remember stuff from from play session to play session right it, yes it reminds me in that way of time stories oh, because, that's what i was gonna say because you <laughs> you really have to you have to learn how to play that scenario as efficiently mm -hmm. as possible in your previous playthroughs otherwise you won't win yeah so time stories Maybe this is more my personal uh, experience with it. When I played Time Stories, I, at least I knew that's what Time Stories were going to be. When I played Seventh Continent, like I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't realize it sure. was like, you just are going to have to play the same scenario over and over and over and over again, and you're going to have to remember all this stuff. And like, and so, so you again frame it without any of the flavor. But the the no, the point is the point is the flavor. Yeah. Well, so when yes, you first start, the so, the so the first when you first start, you start with. A curse card you say this is the curse we're gonna play okay it says here's the curse card and of the curse cards that I've seen one of them had a map on it but it wasn't a very accurate map and it was kind of weird and we definitely got confused reading the map and did some things incorrectly because the map was kind of like scrawled um, but another one didn't have any information I think it had like a locked thing on it and it didn't tell you how to unlock it you just had to sort of rummage around the game until you found something that like gave you a hint as to how to unlock it. Um, so there's the, there's this sense of mystery and this sense of foreboding that's supposed to be in your first game where you go, oh, I have a foggy memory of a, a map I drew, but that's it. Okay. I don't really know what I'm supposed to yeah. do, but I need to do something. And And you could, you learn what not to do. So you learn how to do the first couple of, areas efficiently because the first time you're just blindly wandering around and like picking fights with things and eventually you learn which fights you actually have to fight to get the things to get to get where you're going right. so um, like i say eventually most people are just going to give up it's it's so fun though what this game needed was it needed an intro scenario or like an easy version like the unlocks like they when when you play in a, a version of unlock the escape room game you get like an easy version of it you get like a 10 minute mm. version of it like this some of us don't need an easy version i I don't disagree with Scott there. I think that that's what I'm saying is that, that this is, is the most Jeff of Jeff games ever made. I take that as a compliment because this is a great game. It's, it's also it's also really currently number ten on Board Game Geek. So the uh, people have well, spoken. that doesn't matter. There's always recency bias there. People have spoken. It's um, it's a really good game. It's so what it reminds me of is 
Is it a game or is it a let's tell it's, stories to it's each a, other? It's fully it's a, game. a game. It's absolutely you're game. making decisions. Uh, it, it reminds me of a really hard video game, like like NES. It's like it reminds me of Metroid. Like if you have beat Metroid, you know how to beat Metroid really fast. But the first time you play that game. You don't know that you have to go over here and then you have to unlock the missiles and then you have to go unlock the bomb and then you, once you've unlocked the bomb, now you can go in this area. But like, when you die, you have to go back to the beginning. When Yeah. and yeah, You don't start at level two. Correct. It reminds me more of Dark Souls. Yes, absolutely. Because if you want to be recent, recency no, bias. No, it's not a recency Scott. bias. Old school video games, especially Metroidvanias, were were fair and they you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into very quickly and they kind of told you what you're doing dark souls is just like obscured and it's just like punishment like there's just so much more fog over what you're supposed to be doing Mm. and how to progress to the point where like you just keep getting beat down and beat down and it almost becomes an exercise in persistence so not for everybody (laughs) (laughs) but this game does a lot of really clever game design things i think yeah Uh, i agree even stuff that we haven't talked about and stuff that we can't talk about for spoilers but well like jeff said at the beginning when we were playing he's like well you have to pay attention and i was like oh okay which is not scott strong suit were you there when we accidentally burned down the hut you weren't there that game. There was a there was a man in a hut, and we were like, "We this is the guy. This is the thing we need to uh, do to win yes. this game." And, and then him. we killed him, and found out we were wrong. We were wrong, but we found some seeds <laughs> to put somewhere. <laughs> like, but next time he, we did not bring down his hut. Yeah, what we've discovered is all these scenarios happen on the same in the same location. So it was like we found something from another curse. That, right. But like. It's the game still let us interact with it. Like that guy yeah. was still there and we still that, interacted that with him. That happened in both of our play sessions. We, we beat someone at the end of our first play session. Nope. We beat someone at the end of our second play session. Nope. And I was like, okay. Because Caleb compared this to a choose your own adventure game mm-hmm. book where you like, but the nice thing about that is you've, if you die, you can just like not go there and can just quickly go back and keep reading. And speaking of which, there actually is a game that came out at Gen Con that I bought, which is based off of those choose your own adventure books. I've yeah. read the rules. I haven't played it yet. Which I, I don't know anything about that game, but it feels like Seventh Continent's popularity has inspired yeah. a little bit of that. And yeah. I think regardless, Scott, maybe I hope you can agree with this. The absolute genius it takes to create something where you can like interact with something mm. that exists there and it affects the game, but not so much that it's game breaking whether or not you interact with it. That's smart game design. But you can't break a game that it doesn't matter how many times you fail at it, right? Like you absolutely can't. Like, is balance even important to that? Because at that point, well, I'm talking like I think what he's talking about is the fact that all the cards for the for all the scenarios are just there in the box, and right. you can pull a card that's not for the scenario that. But you're that's in. organization. Yes. That's not that's not necessarily. Genius. It's design though. It's like, story design. Like. And game design. There's some really cool, like no, I'm not. I'm not saying it wouldn't take a bunch of time. I'm just thinking about like one of the criticisms of Dark Souls from gamers is that it's not balanced. There's no tempo. There's no sense of uh, ramping up. There's no momentum in the game. Like there's just literally like you get to a point and it's just you get beat down. If you've ever you go back, there are there. There is momentum in Seventh Continent, but I will agree it's buried pretty deep. It's it's multiplayer momentum. I would right. say the momentum is built because the first time we played it, it was slow and lethargic, and then the next time we played it was like, oh yeah, we got to get here, and then we hit the mud again. Yeah, and, let, then, and let, like, yeah. Let me try the elevator pitch. Oh, hey guys, do you want to come over and play this game? And we'll commit to playing a couple sessions. It's like a story, choose your own adventure game, and 
we'll have to figure out how to do it and we might die a couple times, but hopefully after five or six play sessions, we'll beat a scenario. That's that was not nearly as good of an elevator pitch as mine. I mean, it was a shorter ride, so I appreciated that. I'm, th- I'm in the elevator of the Empire State Building. Oh. All right, let's move on. No, shall we? It's, it's, it is a game, and I was very surprised after our second play that Cody was like, this is awesome, and I was just like, I don't know that, where the fun is. For the record, if we ever get popular enough to do a seal of approval sticker to put on games, can it just be the Spielcast says... This is a game because that's <laughs> literally what you just said. About. I think we'll have it's a game. We'll need a lot of stickers that say approved by Spielcast asterisk, not Scott. <laughs> no, we can just have three thumbs up, two thumbs up. Yeah. One th- <laughs> <laughs> this is a game. Two thumbs up and a this is a game. Uh, can we talk about some of the other games we've been playing? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Seventh Continent was good. Uh, can I talk about a game that was Should not we good? break here for part one? No way. We're only 36 minutes. We got this. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, let's break. Okay. Right. Join us next time where we'll talk about the best two-player games we think and what we've also been playing, some of which might be two-player games. I like it. That was a good pitch. That was a much better elevator pitch than you won for Thanks, some Thanks, elevators. <laughs> Werewolf.